you don't have to just yeah. up and quit your job one day. Not at all. You yeah. need to like be a little bit more smart about it and make sure you have clients um, booked at least, I think, one to two months into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then have money saved up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Creative Kickback Podcast. My name is Carlo. And I'm Jocelyn. Today, we're going to talk about finance, uh, an important topic that a lot of you guys have been asking us to do. Before we get into that, Jocelyn, how was how's your week? My week was a week. <laughs> it was kind of a blur, actually. So this week, we launched the podcast, which was very exciting. Um, and I've had a lot of client work which is good and I'm really grateful for it but it's just when the when January was really slow and then everything just all happened at once I was just like whoa okay yeah shit's getting real so yeah it's kind of been a blur and I I'm just happy that I'm busy and I'm getting work but yeah definitely gonna be taking some time this weekend to rest how about you that's good was it no, sorry. Let me ask you, like, was it kind of the transition between a slow January to like the February now? Was it a slow transition or was it a sudden ramp up where this week is just client calls? Yeah. 24-7, like projects, prop shopping. Like, Yeah, honestly, I feel like for me, at least there's no in between. It's either really slow or really busy. There's yeah. no lead up or yeah. anything. So... Um, two weeks ago, I had a bunch of calls, and then this week I had to send a bunch mm-hmm. of proposals out, and you know, work on shoots and source props and all of that. And so, yeah, it's yeah. always like zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the thing with freelancing, like really full time. You never really have a week where you're doing the same thing. Exactly. You could try to have consistency mm-hmm. in like your workflow and your processes. But sometimes the stuff that we do is really dependent on the people that we work with. And the clients and the projects. It's really important. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize with freelancing. They're like, oh, yeah, I want to be my own boss and I want to set my own schedule. But sometimes you're really at the mercy of your clients and at the projects that you're working on. And sometimes you don't really get to say what your schedule is going to be because you have to stick to whatever is going on. So, yeah, exactly. And not to say that you're working for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're freelancing, you're working with multiple people. Absolutely. And that's like part of the deal. Like you have to be really flexible and you have to be okay with changing your plans just at a snap of a minute. Um, but also at the same time, like I think you do a good job in setting boundaries mm, yeah. in terms of, you know, like, yeah, you can be flexible, but your clients also have to be flexible with your schedule because they have to know that you're working with multiple Mm -hmm. companies as well. Yeah, and just because maybe you have a free day or your week is free, it doesn't mean all of those hours are available to other people. So yeah, you can make that boundary and make sure that you have time and your clients also know that. So yeah, how about you? How was your week? Exactly. I think my week was pretty... It's pretty good. I just had two big campaigns that I had to set up because... Basically, the way our calendar week uh, is structured is that the first day of our week actually starts on the Thursday. So all the campaigns, because oh. um, I like the client that I manage is for a big box retailer, right? So basically, the right. weekend is kind of like a big, like the the weekend is like two big days for them. So to mm-hmm. lead up to that, they start our campaigns on the Thursday, and then it just goes on. So like Wednesday next week. So when we set up our campaigns, we usually set it up around Monday, Tuesday, and like we do the testing on the Wednesday and Thursday we launch them. So I had like two big campaigns that I had to set up. And then also we have this new process with our campaign setup that uh, we're implementing. So we're able to track data a little bit more. And so that took a little while, but other than that, I think I'm really fully getting adjusted to like work now so mm-hmm. it feels it feels it feels really good comforting in a way but also at the same time i think i'm getting to a place where i'm a little too comfortable that i think i have to be like to fulfill my creative side i have to like step out of this comfort zone a little bit because i haven't been really posting on instagram and mm-hmm. i feel like i should get on that because As you know, like most of my work uh, really happens during wedding season, right? So right now is kind of my off season. 
-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. I I also have been feeling bad because I'm like, am I even a creator if I'm not posting on Instagram as much, you know? That's definitely a struggle. And I think, well, now because you're starting, you've started your wedding photography business and it's only what your first year, it's only a couple months in. I think that it's okay to kind of find that workflow, right? And to see how things go because yeah sometimes you're gonna have that rest season or your off season and sometimes you're gonna be super busy and so just getting adjusted I think it, it it'll take you a little while but yeah I think it's okay to embrace that slower and that you know off season right now yeah and the thing is I don't even feel like I deserve this off season for a wedding photographer because really last year I just shot two weddings <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I mean, later, like the last part of last year, everything just like really ramped up with me, you know, really trying to promote the promote the page, like networking and everything. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's kind of slowed down and I think I need to get back into it and mm-hmm. really pump up content again. But yeah, I, don't know, yeah. I just sometimes I tend to compare myself with other like people, not even just lighting photographers, like other creatives as well. And I'm seeing people like really like post content every day. And I'm Mm. like, why, why am I not doing that? I should be doing that. So you need to find that balance between finding motivation to like really get on it versus like just feeling imposter syndrome. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And that feeling is totally valid, but also remember that you have a full-time job and it's difficult to like, I think Instagram and posting on Instagram is a full-time job in itself. Honestly, like it, it takes a lot of time to schedule those posts or to just even think about a caption to write. And yeah, you went through so many ups and downs with your career even. And so the fact that you have clients booked for this year and you have a bunch yeah. of clients booked, I think that's that's a really good thing. Um, and so, yeah. yeah. So I think I'm going to really take this weekend to just sit down um, and plan for my content for the entire february and just use you know tools like later to later yeah you know plan out my to automate like my instagram postings so that i'm Mm. not too stressed out because i think you know like these tools are available at our disposal because yeah like it does make our job easier but at the same time also in a way it helps our mental health as well to not worry about another thing (laughs) on our plate yeah and i think in the next episode coming up, you talked about how you would be at the dinner table, like right before dinner, you'd be on your phone posting. So I think yep. that will also help to just automate that. And so you don't have to think about being on social media all the time. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Um, what's your current mood this week? <laughs> okay, so my current mood, it's its actually something that I rediscovered because it's pretty old, I think. It's called yeah. salt, fat, acid, heat. So have you heard of it? Ooh, no, not at all. Okay, so it's it's on. a cookbook, but it's also um, a docu-series on Netflix. So it's a four-part docu-series, and it's about this chef. Her name is Samin, and she travels to a bunch of different countries, and she learns about the crucial components of cooking, which are salt, fat, acid, and heat. Wow. Um, okay. And she goes to Japan to learn about soy sauce and miso. She goes to Italy to learn about olive oil, obviously, and she... Mm-hmm. It's just a super interesting um, series if you're really into food. And I think just on an artistic level, it's just so well made. It's so aesthetic and it's so like the slow-mos and the close-ups of the food. It's super sexy, (laughs) which is a weird way to describe it. But um, I recently rediscovered it because I bought the cookbook after I watched the series a couple years ago. And the cookbook, it's a thick book it's like 500 pages (laughs) and I think it's just it's a really good thing for people who are already into food or who are super like beginners because it dives into the basics of cooking Mm -hmm. as well as giving you recipes because I think cooking is it's an art form and you can get creative with it if you if you know the basics and you master the basics so it really hammers home all of the basics of cooking so I think it's a really good thing if you know, it's a gift if you're giving it to somebody who is going away for school and they're going to yeah. have to learn how to cook or just somebody who loves food. I think it's it's a really cool thing. Dude, that's the most Jocelyn thing I've <laughs> ever heard. And I think I've heard that I, I said that in one of our current moods from the past few yeah. episodes, but cooking mixed with an aesthetic production fused <laughs> together and then you like connect with other people. <laughs> yeah. 
It's the dream. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, I need to look into that because, you know, one of my, one of the things I really want to do this year is to step up my cooking game. Yes. I can cook here and there, you know. Your boy can make a pretty nice adobo and oh my god, butter chicken here and there. But I feel like it's basic. I need to get onto that next level, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to get onto cooking YouTube too. That's you yeah. can get down like a huge rabbit hole. And yeah, if you yeah. need cooking YouTube people to watch, let me know because I can send okay. you a bunch. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, okay. what's your current mood for this week? kind of in the same wavelength as yours it's it's also a netflix show that i recently discovered this week it's called it's called fight world and basically it's i don't really know so it's the host is um this like b-list actor like fight (laughs) actor that's so funny how we describe people as A-list and B-list. Yeah. It's so shady. He's not <laughs> he's not that famous, but I think in like the like the action like community, um like people like re- really know him. Mm-hmm. Basically what he does is he goes into different parts of the world. I think this was before the pandemic. He goes into the different parts of the world to kind of explore and find out more about their fight culture. Kind of, it's kind of like a cooking show, but that's so sick with fight culture. So mm-hmm. he goes into Mexico and he goes into like one of the OG gyms there and mm-hmm. really try to get to know the story of Mexican boxing. Then he goes to Thailand. He goes into like one of the gyms there. He sees the culture of how, you know, teenage kids, um, not even they're not even teenagers, but like starting at the age of like six, mm-hmm. like they already start training and like that fighting is their way out of poverty and then he follows this kid who's gonna who has this like big match i think he's like 12 13 or something but then he loses and like all the shitty things that come along with that and then he also goes to senegal and he explores the fight culture of uh, like like senegalese like wrestling the wrestling there is different because it has it's not just like takedowns and everything that stuff like it also involves striking Mm-hmm. Um, and how like different neighborhoods there, they have their own guy, they have their own wrestlers. And when the big fight is on, it's like a neighborhood versus like another neighborhood kind of thing. Mm. It's really cool. Wow, um, that's so cool. And I think yeah. that's something that's not explored a lot with a lot of cultures. I think a lot of cultures yeah. do have that fighting aspect to it. And like a lot of people don't know about it. And I think it's just... Yeah. It's probably super cool to watch, huh? Because fighting yeah. is kind of like it kind of looks like a dance in a way, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's so cool and it's so fluid. So yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. For sure. Um, I never, I'm not, I wasn't really into, you know, like fighting and stuff. Like I'm into sports, yeah, but mm-hmm. I think it was recently until like this year when you know the pandemic like happened. There's not much entertainment on TV because the, at the beginning of the pandemic, there's not much sports. So the few sporting events that were happening was like UFC and a couple of boxing matches. So mm. I, I just really started to get into it. And then mm. I listened to like a bunch of like fighting podcasts and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's dope it's- because I felt like a fraud. Like as before the pandemic, I was doing a little boxing here and there just mm-hmm. like for fun. But I'm like, I don't really know anything about the culture. So mm. being the nerd that I am, I'm like, well, let me just listen to podcasts and let me yeah. like, watch documentaries about this. <laughs> yeah. I love how it has such a deep community. Like literally yeah. everything, I think, has such a big community and you just got to find it and you just got to learn more about it. Yeah. Um, speaking of fighting, though, <laughs> did you yeah. ever watch WWE when you were growing up? <laughs> Who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you didn't think it was real when you were smaller. Like, yeah, I truly no. thought these people were fighting, like, for yeah. real, for real, and, like, getting knocked out, and... Oh, so entertaining. When I, when, I, when I turned 14, I think that was when someone told me, like, dude, like, it's fake. I'm like, it, it can't be, bro. I was today be. years old when I learned that it was fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly didn't know yeah. until until I was, like, pretty old. <laughs> Dude, and it just break, it broke my heart. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, like me and my brother, we would always like we used to like pretend to like do the moves yeah. and we would like jump off of the dresser onto the bed like we were yeah. jumping off of <laughs> yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, oh my I don't and I don't want to derail this conversation. And <laughs> you get did, into like, trouble. Wait, wait, wait. Just let's just derail it for <laughs> a few more minutes. Um and like you're uh, 
Hey, this is super random, but do you remember The Undertaker? Yeah, when he like, I would always pretend to be him, like roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you need to listen to, uh, so he retired already. I think he retired this year. And you have to listen to him uh, talk like a normal being, like a normal person. Oh, yeah, he has like the voice. <laughs> yeah. So and like he has a character, right? But um, yeah. he he wasn't um, he was in like the Joe Rogan podcast like a couple of weeks back, no and he way. talks like a normal human being. And well, I'm like, yeah, you gotta what think about it. On? Like all of these people, they have regular lives, and they're yeah. just portraying a character. <laughs> Anyway, you know, it's something crazy that I discovered like that. So, so when I looked into like, what is the Undertaker doing? Like, just a normal human being. And I went into this like deep rabbit hole about what other wrestlers are doing. Do you remember Kane? Yeah. He's a Republican mayor in Tennessee. No way. <laughs> like he's like in government. Wow. Like, what? <laughs> and I looked up his Twitter and he goes into like these like small businesses like promoting like their food and stuff. I'm like, bro, like you're literally Wow. <laughs> Love to see it. Yeah, it's oh so Oh my funny. gosh. Okay, wait, before we start the episode, this also reminded me reminded me of something. When yeah. we went to Columbus together, um yeah. on the way home we split up because you went to I think Arizona, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it was me, KP, and Prince, and Alex, and we were in the New York airport, and this random yeah. lady, she was like, are you guys powerlifters? Because I guess she saw our t-shirts or whatever yeah. was happening, yeah. and she was like, oh, I used to be a WWE wrestler, and we were like, what? no way, <laughs> and she sent us photos. I can't remember her name, but oh she God. showed us photos of her, and I was like, yeah. wow, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> Dude, okay, I gotta ask Prince and KP. Um, I don't even know if they're gonna remember. It was such a random thing, but (laughs) yeah. Okay, (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. Should we get into the episode now? Yeah, let's get into the episode. 17 minutes in. (laughs) I know, sorry guys. Um, So yeah, obviously before we start, disclaimer, we're not financial professionals or anything. So if you're ever in doubt, speak to a professional because we don't want y'all getting in trouble with your taxes or with anything. So... Yes, please take what we say with a grain of salt. Yep. Um, so today we're going to be talking about finance, and I think this is a really important topic, not only for learning how to manage your finances within your business, like your revenue and your expenses, but also I think how to set your rates, because that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with. And yep. so I posted a question box on Instagram yesterday, and we actually got a couple questions that are really tailored to this episode and about that kind of thing. So I guess we'll start off with those questions. Yeah, let's do it. So the first question was, how to set your rates when you're first starting out? Okay. Do you want to go? So do you want it? Okay, I can take that. Um, So I think you have to come in, when you're just starting out, you have to have like two approaches to how you want to like kind of grow. One approach would be, I'm just gonna cast a wide net and offer my services for free, get as much people to um, to get to know me. And then once I, you know, get like a solid network, then I'm gonna start charging. And the other approach would be like really pick a niche and see what you like see what differentiates you in that niche see like all the other creatives that are working in that niche see what differentiates you and then charge a premium for that mm-hmm. so i think as a beginner like you have to pick either or or have like a mix of both um but really depending on what you pick then you're going to set the rates. Like if you're going to try to generalize and cast like a big net, be prepared to like really lower your rates or even work a couple of gigs for free versus the other one where you have like a niche and you're offering uh, something different. Even if you're a beginner, you can do that. Like as long as you identify like a certain need by the community. Um, And then from there, like look at what other people are charging and then kind of adjust your rate according to uh, what you think your quality of work is versus mm-hmm. what other kind of people in that niche are doing. Um, mm-hmm. That's the approach I would do. I know that's kind of like very general and very high level. Um, but because I think for myself, what I did in the beginning was I was able to identify a niche within Loaded Bar. Like when I saw that 
so like a little background like when i was starting out my photography i saw i was also into powerlifting and i saw that you know in the powerlifting scene here in ontario there wasn't a media company that covers these powerlifting events because i know powerlifting and because i know photography i figured i can probably tackle that niche i can take on that niche and so i got in there and i you know like i networked i covered like these events but my issue is at the time my problem was at the time because i was also just starting out at the time i had like the other approach of like just being general within a niche so i mm-hmm. like offered like a few meets for free and i like really lowered my prices so i can get people to order like photo packages but i feel like because it's a niche i think right on the get go i could have charged like a premium right away so mm-hmm. i don't want people to like repeat the same mistake that i did when i started out yeah i think also when you're first starting out you need to recognize the way that you're going to charge so yeah. you can either charge hourly or do a project based rate and yeah. it really depends on what your discipline is actually so if you're a photographer and you're shooting events you might want to charge hourly versus for someone like myself who shoots product i don't charge yeah. hourly i charge based on, on a project. project because it just makes more sense so think about that as well and so when you're first starting out it's kind of hard to come up with a number i guess but there's actually two resources that i want to share that are super helpful so the first one is it's called the rate cheat from freelancing females so it's basically it's um people submit what their rate is, uh, how many years of experience they have, and what discipline they're doing. So photography, graphic design, social media management. So I think it's a free tool if you just go on their website. I'll link it in the show notes. You can go and see and see what people who are in your niche and who have similar years of experience as you, see how much they're charging. Because then you can kind of see what's the standard, I guess, or get an average of what people are charging. And then there's also another thing. I think it's another spreadsheet. It's called, hold on, I'm trying to find it. I have so many notes here. Uh, It's called Do the Math. So it's from another platform for freelancers called I Love Creatives. So I think it helps you with coming up with your hourly rate. So those are really good jumping off points, I think. That's awesome. Let me ask you something. Like when you were starting out, what were you basing your rates on? <laughs> My when I first started out, I didn't really base it off of anything. I think yeah. the first real shoot that I did I think I charged $20 per photo, which okay. looking back now, I'm like, wow, cringe. But also, <laughs> yeah. I think the way that I was charging and how much I was charging, it really matches my what my level of experience was at the time and also my process. Because yep. I wasn't doing the mood board. I wasn't doing shot lists or anything. I was kind of just getting the product and playing around with it and yep. you know seeing what worked. And then I didn't have as good skills as I do now with, you know, Lightroom and Photoshop and stuff like that. And so I think also when we were talking before, you mentioned something about how the salary of a starting position, at least in Ontario or in Canada, is $40,000 a year. So you can also take that number and kind of break it down to to an hourly rate, I guess. So I don't know. I can't remember what you said, but you said something like, what is that like three thousand dollars a month so yeah if you're making three thousand dollars a month how many clients do you want to work for do you want to work for 20 clients or do you want to work for four clients you know yeah. you can divide that number based on how many projects or how many clients that you want to work for in that month exactly yeah um so i think the biggest thing with you know determining like the rates um like when you're just starting out really is the mindset because i think mm-hmm. people just want to oh because they're charging this way i gotta charge that way or yeah oh maybe i'm not charging like i think you have to really have a clear mindset of where you're at where the market is and what you currently offer like Mm -hmm. once you bring in those elements i think you're going to be able to come up with a number Yeah, so it's really up to you, you know, what number you want to choose. And I think with more experience, you'll also realize if you're charging too much or if you're charging not enough. Because what 
I think something in my experience when I realized I wasn't charging enough was that I was doing so much work and I was feeling so burnt out and it just didn't feel worth it, you know? Yeah. So obviously when you're first starting out, you're probably going to have to do a little bit of work for free or maybe for um, a reduced rate. But Yeah. yeah, you'll... Like once you set that number and you start actually working with clients, you'll figure out what works best for you. Exactly. And you have to be kind to yourself as well. When you're starting out, you're not going to figure out that rate right away. So as Jocelyn said, you're going to play around with um, a lower rate, a higher rate, somewhere in the middle. And as you just keep going, as you gain more clients, you're going to find that perfect middle ground and that perfect mm-hmm. Um, right where you'll be able to uh, get paid with the amount that's going to help you sustain a living but also it's not too high to the point where you're not accessible exactly right and I think obviously when you're first starting out you're probably not going to be a full-time freelancer right exactly so think about your expenses as well so how much does it cost you to have Adobe Creative Cloud every month how much does it cost you to have your website and all of that and so make sure you're at least covering those costs and then some and then also when you're first starting out make sure you're putting aside 30 percent of your income for taxes taxes yeah just don't want to exactly you don't want to run into an issue later on when you're filing your taxes and then you just don't have any money to pay for it so have a separate business account for your like freelance business don't mix it in with your checking account because if you mix your personal checking account with your business account it's going to be hard to track like your money coming in and out at the end of the year so um that's something that i've also Mm -hmm. kind of had to learn the hard way because like at the end of the year i just had to see like Mm -hmm. oh every month that money came into my checking account oh this is how much came in from my freelance and then this is how much i spent for expenses and it's it was a mess Mm -hmm. so like have a separate business account Mm -hmm. for your checking account for your for your freelance business Mm -hmm. oh wait sorry before we get into the next question um let's actually give a rate to people that can give them like you know like at least like a baseline um for a product photographer for a typical Mm. project say i know you have different packages your Mm. lowest i guess like package how much do you charge right now and how much years of experience do you have that allows you to like you know justify that rate just for people to have a reference right so i have Oh, how many years of experience? I have, I guess, five years of photography experience, but I would say for product photography specifically, like two to three years of experience. And so right now my project minimum is 1200. So what that includes is about 10 to 15 photos. It includes me creating a mood board and creating a specific shot list, prop sourcing and buying all of the props and styling as well. And only organic digital usage. So only like for your website and for Instagram. And so there are Mm -hmm. add-ons, I guess, that will make the price higher, which is like the level of production. So if I need to buy a lot of props or if I need to style a lot, and it will take me longer. And then also if you want to license the images for, let's say, running ads on Instagram, or if you want to print like a billboard or a subway ad, that would also add on to the cost. And then also if we need to rent a studio or hire models or anything, that's also an additional cost. So like my minimum is 1200. So I would say my projects start at 1200 because that's never really like the minimum for sure that's never really like the price that actually that that it is at the end right exactly so, yeah. yeah but i think when you set that 1200 price that covers again what you were saying earlier like all your expenses as a freelancer mm-hmm. but also gives you some breathing room as well to you know be able to sustain yourself every month exactly and i i make that price as if i was gonna have four clients a month and i try to have it as four clients a month max because the level of work is a lot and i can't handle more than four and it's not fair to my clients as well if i'm not you know giving them a hundred percent so that's also something to keep in mind i love that Mm -hmm. how about you so for myself for so there's different packages uh for uh wedding photographers but i think something that's came up you know within the past year is um the micro wedding package has been like gaining a lot of traction so micro Mm -hmm. weddings are pretty much 
weddings that don't require a full day coverage, right. like maybe four to five hours. Um, and then basically the way I structure my weights is I have two main packages. I have my intimate wedding package, which is like for micro weddings, five hours of coverage. And then I have my full day um, like package, which is like eight hours. So at the lower end with my micro weddings, um, it starts at 1300. Right. So that comes with me as a photographer, no engagement shoots, like all the photos, they're free to use however they want. Comes with an online gallery that's personalized for them. Comes with a personalized schedule. It comes with uh, three months of backup uh, in terms of like, cause like their wedding occupying space on my hard drive. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's also something, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I charge for that as well. If they want like a longer backup, that's something I discuss with them like later on. But yeah, that's just like on the on the lower end of my micro wedding package. Mm-hmm. And so you so. said that's about four to five hours of coverage during the day. Uh, five hours. Five hours. Five hours. Yeah. And then yeah. how much approximately? How much time does it take you to? you know, edit and do all of the other stuff. So as a whole, how much yeah. would you spend time on that one? So that's the thing. I So starting this year, I'm going to outsource my editing. Mm. So the culling part I'm going to do, but then I'm going to work with an editor to, you know, like we're going to edit the first like 10 photos at like different lighting situations. And then they're just going to edit the entire set. Mm-hmm. And I kind of take that into account. So I'm going to use, I spoke to, I had a meeting with them. So they're a company from Montreal. They're called mm-hmm. Image Salon. They work a lot with wedding photographers. Per photo, they charge like on the low end, it's like 10 cents. Oh, wow. Um, on the, it's Yeah, it's really good. Whoa. Like I think more... More wedding photographers, event photographers should be like looking into outsourcing their editing because mm-hmm. again, you don't have to do everything. That's yeah, and <laughs> um, that's a lot of time, right? Like let's say you're editing, yeah. I don't know, a hundred to four hundred photos per wedding. That exactly. is a lot of time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So and and my micro weddings, I'm able to produce three hundred photos just mm-hmm. myself. Like if I have another second shooter, that's also another two hundred photos. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't. I feel like. If I'm if the editor is using my presets um, and is using my style, then like it's still my work, um, yeah, even though I didn't sure. do the full edits, right? For sure. So, yeah. Cool. So oh, yeah, sorry. Like I guess the cost of that is around like three hundred to like four hundred. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So, so it's already included, bad. kind of in the cost of everything. Yeah. So I take that. Yeah, I take that into account mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool. Um. So next question. I think it's this question is like not necessarily like super financial, but I think there are elements of it that are financial. So how to smoothly transition from your day job to full time freelance? Right. Oh, that's awesome, because I feel like that's literally you and I. (laughs) Yeah. And I think our experiences are probably very different. And honestly, if I could go back, I would do it very differently. And I would definitely be a little bit smarter about it, because for me, the decision was super abrupt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, speak on that. Like, yeah. tell me more. How how so? How would you do it if you were to be given the ability to time travel and redo it? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. First off, I want to say that I am very fortunate and I'm very privileged to be able to be doing freelance full time. And at the time when I quit my job, I was well. I'm still living at home, so that makes a huge difference, you know, with expenses and the amount and the amount of money that you're earning. And so when I quit my job. I didn't really have a lot of money saved up and I kind of gave two weeks notice and I did have clients booked for the next couple of months lined up. But yeah. So if I were to go back, I would say save like three to six months minimum of expenses. So whatever your expenses look like rent, your phone bill, groceries, and then all of your other stuff like your Adobe membership, Pixie set, G Suite and all of that. But money aside, I think making the transition from your day job to full time freelance, it can be difficult. So I would say if you're able to try to reduce your hours at your day job so that you can start to spend more time working on whatever your freelance work is. Um, Also, try to have multiple streams of revenue if possible. So for me, I didn't just do photography in the beginning. I did a little bit of social media management. So that was a little bit extra money for me. And it was a little bit more secure because it was a month to month thing. Yeah. 
And also try to build relationships with clients where you can have a long-term contract yeah. rather than just one-off projects because then you'll feel a little bit more secure once you start freelancing full-time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think with product photography, that's, um, that's like a great kind of model in how you do your business because these brands, um, like the people who are in charge of marketing budgets, they don't want to work with like hundred photographers. Like they don't want to work with multiple creatives. They want to have their go-to person um, that they can trust yeah, and that they have a relationship with. Yeah, and I think it just it saves a lot of time for them because exactly. when you work with a new photographer, you have to go through all of that onboarding process, and you kind yeah, of you have, have to, to vet them. yeah, and you kind of have to go through that workflow and see how how you work together and if it's even a right fit. So. Obviously, yeah. this is kind of from a photography perspective. I don't know necessarily how it would work with somebody like a graphic designer um, yeah. or, you know, another like type of creative work. But yeah, I think those are some solid ways that you can smoothly make that transition because you don't have to just yeah. up and quit your job one day. Not at all. You yeah. need to like be a little bit more smart about it and make sure you have clients um, booked at least, I think, one to two months into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then have money saved up. Yeah, because for myself, I have done what you did twice. I've <laughs> quit a job, and then tried to do, pursue freelance. Um, and it hasn't worked out for me because, for one, I did have clients. Well, clients, yeah, like I did have events in the future that I know um, I'm going to like make money from. But I just didn't have enough saved up to be able to you know, like sustain a living month to month. And that lack of security pushed me to go back to pursuing like a full time again. Mm -hmm. I think eventually like my end goal is to like really pursue freelance like full time. But I think this time I'm going to try to be more smart about it and like try to learn from like the from 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 my shortcomings from like mm-hmm. the previous time and also like you know like learning from you as well mm-hmm. so yeah. oh something that i also wanted to mention is i learned a lot of this stuff it's from this guide from a canadian company they're actually toronto based they're called paper and coin they're yep. a financial company for canadian millennials and i think it's what they're doing is amazing so they have a free download called the freelancer's guide to worry free finances so i'll leave the link to that in the show notes um It talks about how to manage your revenue and your expenses as a freelancer, but they also do touch on how to make that transition from working your day job to working freelance full time. So it's definitely worth checking out. That's awesome. Um, And I think that just them as a company in general, it's really incredible what they're doing because I feel like there's a lot of financial literacy companies or financial information out there but not a lot that's tailored to Canadians at least yeah and the ones that do exist out there no offense are a little bit boring and they make it super accessible and because they're tailored to millennials all of their you know their feed is really aesthetic and the the language that they use to describe things and to explain things it's it's easy to understand and it makes you want to actually learn about finance so paper and coin check them out absolutely and it's just a little harder for i think people to trust people who teach financial literacy when you kind of sense that there is an ulterior motive Mm -hmm. like for example some of these banks like the big banks like they teach financial literary courses but they literally teach you to go into debt i i know that's what i'm saying and like they have like an ulterior motive of oh yeah we'll teach you finances but it's like, all right, now open a checking account with us or open like this account with us. And if you like really look into those accounts, it's like you need the to fees have are ridiculous. Like a five thousand yeah. dollar minimum in the account to, in order for yeah. it to be free. And it's just yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> we can talk about this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. know we can, but, we can go off. So. Yeah. So paper and coin, they're they're really amazing because they're legit because they they really their big thing is not to go into debt and if you are in debt they have a lot of tools that will help you get out of debt um they also have a really great budgeting uh spreadsheet and it's for it's for everyone and for freelancers especially i think it's really difficult to stick to a budget because your income isn't the same every month but that template helps you with that so i'll leave all of this stuff in the show notes 
check them out. They're super amazing. Yeah, let me add on to that. Like once you have that budget every month, I know that can be a scary process, but once you have that budget every month, then you're clear as to how much you should be making. Mm-hmm. Because now you see, okay, like these are all my expenses, including like with your uh, business plus your personal expenses. After you cover all that, you're at zero. Yeah. You're not making anything more. So now that gives you a good starting point as to where you should start charging people. Mm-hmm. So that 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 process is really important. So I think you guys should definitely check out that uh, budget template from mm-hmm. Paper and Coin because mm-hmm. it's it's definitely uh, useful. Yeah, and I think finance is it can be a little bit boring. Not gonna lie, like. Sitting yeah. down and actually writing out all of your ex- expenses—it's a little bit painful, and it can also feel For a sure. little bit embarrassing and shameful too. I think, and I think that's yeah, okay because that's—that's that's certainly how I used to feel about money, and I never yeah. really felt comfortable talking about it, or I never felt comfortable asking questions. But I think this is—is is, that's why I really am excited to talk about this because a lot, yeah, not enough people talk about money. I don't think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's like a culture where I think at least with with us, like in general, like people are afraid to talk about how much they're making mm-hmm. um, or how much they're spending just because you, you know, like we're, you don't want to be judged. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the more we talk about these things, the more we're able to share experiences and the more we're able to, to help people. Mm-hmm. So I think I right on the get go, I think we should set a culture where we should be comfortable talking about you know, like, oh, how much were you able to charge for like this project? Because like, at least that's how I like operate within like my creative friends, mm-hmm. like my creative friends, uh, you and I, or like even with Prince and KP, like we talk about finances like openly because then I learned like, oh shit, I'm charged. I don't not charging as much as I should be. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about kind of how we manage our finances within our own businesses. Cause there's so many tools yeah. out there and I think it can be super overwhelming when there's so many different yeah. tools and so many different like apps out there. Like what do you use personally to send invoices and to track all of your revenue and expenses and stuff? Yeah. So I use FreshBooks and funny enough, the reason why I use FreshBooks was at that like before i was using quickbooks mm-hmm. but they're a little their platform is a little convoluted and a little <laughs> overwhelming okay when i remember that event that i shot for a paper and coin oh yeah i remember that i brought you on yeah. as a photographer <laughs> yeah and fresh books was actually there yeah and you know i they're, they're obviously their marketing worked on me because <laughs> i got their friggin' blue pen and like a notebook yeah and when i was trying to decide which platform i should switch to it was between FreshBooks and honeybook but honeybook is a little too complicated honeybook is an entire crm yeah um where FreshBooks is just for like finances and so I, I was felt like I don't I don't really need like a full CRM. So I just I picked FreshBooks because Prince also uses FreshBooks, and he I asked him like mm-hmm. what his experience is with FreshBooks, and he's like, oh, it's really easy, it's very simple to use, it's very intuitive. And so like I signed up for the free trial and just feel like I, I just you know I just never like um, unsubscribe because mm-hmm. they're they're pretty good. Um, with 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 their features like they have an invoicing feature you are able to send out estimates to your clients they also have project costs and everything like there's a lot you can do with it um and their ui is very very simple mm-hmm. so what about you what, what do you use so i personally use wave which is free i think they're a toronto-based company actually and i i like it but there are definitely things within their ui that can be improved yeah. Oh my God, tell me. I have a friend who works at Wave and I would love to send this feedback to her. Oh my gosh, yeah. no way. Sorry, I like screamed <laughs> into the mic just now. Um, Off of the top of my head, I don't like how you can't schedule invoices. Okay. Like you have to set it as a recurring invoice, but make it only recur once. Gotcha. Is that a paid feature though? Or no, like, are you, if, I don't think. Okay. I don't know that they have. Do they have a paid version? I don't know. I just use the uh, free version. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, off of the top of my head, I don't, I can't remember right now, but that's like definitely one thing that stuck out to me. Okay. What else? What I do like about them is that they have an, an app called Receipts. And so basically okay. whenever I buy props or anything that will be counted as a business expense, I have oh, the app okay. on my phone and I literally take a photo of the receipt right then and there. Cause yep. otherwise I'm just never going to do it. <laughs> And I went through the experience of my first year freelancing when I didn't have any structure uh, or system yeah. at all. And I had a bunch yeah. of crumpled and faded receipts and I couldn't read them <laughs> and I just didn't know. And it's just somewhere in your wallet. Yeah, it's yeah. so painful. Like there are so yeah. many tools out there that will help you just not have a headache when you do your taxes or when you do all of your like financial stuff. So yeah, I use Wave, which is really great for sending invoices and recurring invoices. Um, and then their app called Receipts, which is good for tracking your expenses. So that's awesome. Yeah. Mm. So if you can use a free tool like Wave, you don't have to use Excel. So <laughs> <laughs> Excel is free too, but also the yeah. price you pay with Excel is your you lose like hours of your life. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, if you can avoid using Excel and spreadsheets, tr tr trust me, just just use Wave. Like, it's free. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, you mentioned HoneyBook, which is a CRM. Can you explain what yeah. a CRM means for people who don't know what that is? Um, so, a CRM is pretty much a system where you're able to integrate everything in your process as a freelancer. So you know how we use like we have like G Suite, um, we have Dropbox, we have Pixie Set. You can integrate all those things into a CRM. Mm -hmm. Like so, it's, it's kind of like a you're able to also do your project management within CR within mm -hmm. a CRM tool. So within a CRM tool, you're able to track your leads. You're able to track your upcoming projects. You're able to track where you're at in those projects. You're also able to invoice. And when you invoice within this tool, like clients can pay you like using Visa or mm -hmm. like debit. You're also able to send contracts and stuff. It's a very like extensive tool. Very integrated, I guess. Like it's all in one. Yeah. Very integrated experience. I looked it up and it's called a customer relationship management. I think that's what it is. So yep. the program that we're talking about is HoneyBook, which is very popular among, I think, wedding photographers, especially. That's all I see wedding photographers use. Um, and you mentioned another yeah. one before when we were talking, um, Pixify, is that what it's called? Pixify, yeah. yeah. Pixify, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also another one called Dubsado. Like, there's a million different platforms yeah. you can use. Um, I think yeah. we'll create like a little thing on Instagram that lists out all of them. And if you For have sure. any tools that you use that we didn't mention, please let us know. And honestly, I think I want to dive deep into Pixify again, because mm -hmm. I did try Pixify for their trial month. But I guess that's the thing with switching to platforms, right? You get so used to like a certain workflow. Yeah. So anytime there's a change in like how you do your processes, it's like, oh, why do I got to do that? Mm. Um, so I, I think I never really took advantage of like my free trial mm -hmm. with Pixify. So I'm going to I'm going to try to do that again. So um, and, and I'll report back into in terms of like how that goes. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can even document it like on our Instagram or something. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I think people would love to see that for sure. Um, okay, so I think to wrap things up, what are some tips that you would give to somebody who is freelancing for the first time? Like whether it's on the side or full time? Okay, so for one, get your mindset right in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. As a first time beginner freelance photographer, you're gonna be tempted to take on like free work. You're gonna be tempted to do like, People are gonna know that like, oh, he's a beginner photographer, or she's a beginner photographer, or they're a beginner photographer. Let me uh, try to take advantage of them and try to get like, you know, free content. Whenever you work with someone for free, if you're not getting paid, don't justify your uh, free work as just for getting exposure because that's not enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're gonna do free work with someone, make sure you're also getting like a relation, like kind of, you're getting something out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you do free work, but that's not really free work. That's just spec work. And then 
that can potentially lead to more work uh, later on to like establish those boundaries. And if you're going to do free work, it has to be like with, with collaborations with other photographers or you maybe even you can even work with other photographers and try to if you create a project, you can pitch it to a brand and then you can get paid. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So don't just take on free work just because you want to get a portfolio out there. Yes, that's one thing, but also try to find um, like the benefits of that free work you'll be uh, you'll be creating. Yeah. And you can also put limits on that free work as well. Um, just because you're yes. doing something for free, don't let that person walk all over you and ask you for, you know, a million photos or anything. You can still exactly. set a contract. Like you can still have a contract even if it's for free work. Just make sure that yeah. you establish what you're going to be giving to them for free. Otherwise, things can go left real quick and it's just, it's not good. It's a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, so I think to wrap up, try to find a niche that you really want to do and like look around and research the what what people are charging within that niche and then gauge where you're at skill wise and in terms of the work that you can produce and then also take into account the expenses that you have and then from there you'll be able to come up with a price mm -hmm. and then also again the resources that you uh, mentioned earlier um what were they called where you can find um like the what other people are charging because i think i'm going to check that out later as well yeah so um i'll send it to you as well it's called the rate sheet from freelancing females yes. and then there's another one called do the math by i love creatives the rate sheet is more of like user submitted i guess and then the do yeah. the math spreadsheet is more of just like a self-guided type of thing. Um, yeah. And I guess my last points for people who are first starting out is as soon as you get your first paying client, set up that invoicing software because you don't want to ever run into a situation like me where when it comes time to do your taxes, you have no system in place and you just don't know how much you made or how much you spent. It'll save you a lot of time in the long run and there are a lot of free tools out there that you can use also it'll save you from stressing out about the government trying to <laughs> coming get after your money, you so. <laughs> and i mean yeah. like we're probably the last people that they're gonna come after but just yeah just in case you know <laughs> just to be safe you know yeah. yeah yeah all right so i think we can wrap it up here then uh carlo where can people find you carlo torres underscore underscore and chapter one weddings jocelyn where can they find you you can find me on instagram at jocelyn floor and you can also find us on instagram our podcast instagram at creative kickback pod we'd also love for you to drop us a five-star review on the itunes store and also on spotify it helps the podcast a lot if you can write a review as well that would be fire and if you have any other feedback please message us on instagram and let us know yeah that's it thank you for listening peace <laughs> bye bye